Father, we our gathering this morning. We thank you for the beauty and the privilege of fellowship with you. Thank you for your presence with us, for that is our confidence. Your word has told us where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there. Lord, this morning, breathe upon your word and glorify your name. Help us, O oh God, in all we do to make it simply Jesus, Jesus and nothing else. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. Please turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. Apologies. Galatians chapter 1. I will read from verse 1 through to verse 10. Hallelujah. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and, and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preached to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Verse 10, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I will not be Christ's servant. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've titled this message, Jesus and Nothing Else. I, I just read from the New Living Translation. I should have said that earlier. Jesus and Nothing Else. The book of Galatians is a short book with some phenomenal truths. A book that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. Galatians is a simple and a direct book which 
preach the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that gospel, the word gospel is a churchy word. You know, you hear gospel music, gospel truth, gospel choir. But gospel simply means good news. Good news. But what is good news? The good news is this. Jesus came to save sinners. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Jesus came to save sinners. And if we put our faith in him, we are saved by his grace. It's by grace you and I are saved. You can't walk yourself saved. You can't give yourself saved. You can't earn yourself saved. It's by grace that I have been saved and you also. I believe this is Gospel 101. The message of Galatians is simply Jesus. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that saves. Not Jesus and good works. Not Jesus and the right denomination. Not Jesus and the right politics. No. Not anything else but just Jesus. Not Jesus and anything. It's just Jesus. No other name given under heaven by which we can be saved. That is what the word of God says. If all you have is Jesus, Jesus is all you need. The truth is that we live in a world and we live in a culture where such darkness and sin and bondage seems to be thriving. And the message of Galatians is just telling us it's simply Jesus and freedom. Jesus came to preach the good news and to set the captives free. It is the gospel and there's freedom in him. No one who truly believes in Jesus should be in bondage anymore. Hallelujah. Bondage of sin is what I'm talking about. Bondage of guilt. Bondage of regret, bondage of anxiety, bondage of depression. Or even the bondage of the church held captive by religion. The book of Galatians is the book of freedom. It's simply saying if you have Jesus, you have freedom. In very simple words. You know, the question can be asked. How can I truly be free? And Galatians answers the question. How can I be free from guilt? How can I be free from doubt? Because doubt always creeps in. In this our Christian journey. Always. Always. How can I be free from sin? Because sometimes sin comes so naturally. How can I be free from regret? 
how can I be free from always trying but never feeling like I'm quite enough? You see, when the world confronts this question about how can I be free, there's usually two, two contradictory answers that the world gives. The first answer is some people think freedom comes from keeping the rules. The more rules, the more freedom. But there's a challenge with that. That thought process is just saying, do right, do the rules. It's saying, so I'm going to try harder. For instance, I'll go to church more. I'm going to be baptized. I will keep the Ten Commandments, maybe even more than the Ten. How many good acts should I do? How many Hail Marys should I recite? How much scripture should I read? And the list is endless because the human mind endlessly, endlessly creates ways of what we should do to earn freedom. See, the problem with rule keeping is it always fails at the end because you never know when you've done enough. You can never tell when you have done enough. If one prayer was enough, would two have been better? But if two was, maybe I should have done four. In other words, you can never be absolutely certain. Then there's another mindset that says freedom comes by throwing out all the rules. Just throw out all the rules. Just just set them aside. I've got to be free. And this mindset says, do what you want. There are no rules. If it feels good, do it. Leave your own truth. Leave your own truth. I'm sure many of us have heard that. So you see different people with their own truths. What a world of confusion. Legalism cannot save you. But Hinduism cannot save you either. So now we end up exchanging one form of slavery for the other. Doing what you want will make you have a hangover or fall into an addiction. Excessive freedom. For instance, if you ignore God's plans for sexuality and then what happens? You become a slave to your own urges. Rules cannot save you. I need to make that clear. But you can't be happy if you also ignore the rules. There has to be a balance. So if legalism does not work, if Hinduism does not work, where can I find true freedom in life? Galatians gives us the answer. True freedom comes from really, really 
knowing Jesus. The emphasis there is really, really knowing Jesus. Not acquainted, not being acquainted, but really knowing. Not just for us to believe him. But the question is, do I have a committed, deep relationship with Jesus? And Jesus addressed this. He said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew 7, verse 21. He said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter. So, it might sound very pedestrian, very basic. The cross pendant won't save us. Neither would a tattoo on our body save us. Nor uh, the Christianese that we speak. Oh Lord, Jesus. We see in Acts, I think it's chapter 12, chapter 13 or chapter 14. I'm not too sure now. Paul goes to Galatia and he starts the church. He leaves Galatia and goes to some other regions and plants churches. He does the same thing because he's a missionary. But you see, somewhere along the line, some Jewish Christians follow right after Paul. And they start telling these people, these churches where Paul had set up and planted and started churches, they start telling these people that God saved, but that there are some things they need to do more to get saved. That for them to be truly saved, they need to do more. They had a list that they produced and gave to the church. They told these new believers that if you want to be saved, you just don't believe in Christ. You have to keep the Jewish law. To the men, they told them that they needed to be circumcised. I'm pretty sure that the men's ministry really didn't thrive there. If you want to be a true follower, you have to do some extra things beyond Jesus just saving you. So they were saying, you've got to follow our laws. You've got to follow even our laws for food. And they were pushing all of these things. So you find salvation, the salvation line diminishing because it's no longer simply Jesus that Paul preached. And Paul's shock that this was going on was very apparent in Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. And let me read it again. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. He said, I'll read it through to 10. Paul said, I am shocked that you're turning away so soon from God. Who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. But it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse. 
fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preached to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Then he says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I want us to notice his passion. He begins by saying, I am shocked that you are turning away from God so soon. That, that word, turning, is the military version of deserting. He said, you are deserting God's army. You are turning and running because these people are presenting a different gospel, a different good news. They have started adding their own things to this gospel. In this case, they've left the gospel, which is what? The good news that Jesus saves. The good news that Jesus saves through grace. And now you are trying to be saved by works. And now they've made it about what you eat, the bracelet that you wear on your wrist, and they have left the fact that it is simply Jesus. Why did I say let us notice his passion? Paul didn't say, let's all agree to disagree. He didn't say, you have your own truth, let me have my own truth. Let's reach a compromise. He didn't say, can we all just get along? No, he didn't say that. Rather, he said, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Man, that's harsh. I believe there's a reason he was this drastic. It is because people keep doing this. They take the simple gospel and try to add obstacles and rails. And that's the reason why there are multitudes of denominations today. I repeat, the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. It's done, not do. Salvation by the grace of Jesus through faith. I know you may be wondering, what's this got to do with us today? I don't think any of us here at KLS is at the danger of trying to pick up on the mosaic laws. I don't think so. In sincerity, in all, in all sincerity, KLS is one place, perhaps out of a few, where the gospel is being preached. And I would say that for as long as it is within my powers, I will be nowhere else on a Saturday morning than at KLS. But it's important, it's important only because out there, every single day, you'll be bombarded with messages that suggest that Jesus is simply not enough. You need to be more religious. You've got to go to church more. You need to serve more. All these are good, 
you need to give more. You are single, you should be married. You are married, you should have kids. You should make more money. You need another degree. You need a Bible college degree. In other words, you are never enough. You are constantly, I say constantly being bombarded with the idea that who you are, what you are, doesn't quite cut it. And Paul said emphatically, we're going to curse anyone who adds to this simple gospel. You know, when he says curse, to curse someone in this context is to execrate the person. You know, to consecrate is to bring something together. To set something apart for special use or purpose. That's what it means to consecrate. To be execrated means you are not special at all. You are dissipated. You have no part to play. And Paul is very adamant. It's not about what you do, but what Christ has done. Jesus bled on the cross and he was broken for you. He became the cause so you could be consecrated. Yes. And God loves you right now as he ever has and ever will. Let me repeat that. God loves you. That God loves you doesn't mean he approves of what you're doing or you are pleasing him with your decisions. That's not what it means. But you cannot make him love you more. You cannot make God love you more. You cannot impress him. You know, sometimes we say things like, if I can break this habit or if I can accomplish this, then he will love me. No, that's not the true gospel. The true gospel is while I was still a sinner and I didn't even give him the chance or the time of day, he loved me so much, he died for me. In Mark chapter 1, verse 11, in Mark chapter 1, verse 11, Jesus had not started his ministry, had not performed any miracles. He had not done anything. But we are told the father gave him three affirmations. Three, you are my son, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. You are my son. In other words, God was saying, you belong. I love you, meaning you matter. Means you, sorry, means you are loved. And you please me, meaning you matter. You matter to me. God was saying that you belong, you are loved, and you matter. Notice that Jesus had not done anything. Had not done anything. It wasn't by what he did. It was by relationship with the Father. And when you get into a relationship with the Father, you belong, you are loved, and you matter. Now, notice, right after that happens to Jesus, he walks out of the water. That happened when he was being baptized. He walks out of the water, still drying off, 
And here comes Satan. Even Jesus was tempted with his God-given identity. He was tempted to find his value and his worth in something else. Satan comes and hits him with three false gospels. False gospel number one. I am what I do. I am what I do. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, do something. Turn these stones to bread. If you are the son of God. Just a short while ago, God had just said, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. Just a short while ago. Satan was suggesting, if you are truly the son of God, do something. There's a false, false gospel today that says, I am what I do. If I can just do more. If I can just contribute more. And our culture is asking the same. What have you achieved? How have you demonstrated your usefulness? What do you do for a living? Does it matter? Does it really matter? Your what you do. And that false gospel today is really impacting us. I'm reinstating that it is simply Jesus and nothing else. The second false gospel goes this way. I am what I have. And this is very prevalent today. So you see, Jesus is now taken to see all of the magnificence and the power of the earth. And the devil basically was saying, look at where everybody else is. Just look around you. You can have this too if you will walk with me. We know that one time Jesus said, I don't even have a place to lay my head. How can you think you are somebody? How will you survive? What do you drive? Why? Because there's a gospel today that says, I am what I have. It's a wrong gospel. Simply Jesus. You know, the devil played a profound issue of putting fear into the source of security. And the question we may ask is, where do I find security? Is it in what I have or is it in Jesus? You see, our culture measures, measures our success by what we own. Somebody said, somebody said, we spend money we don't have to impress people we don't like just to keep up with the Joneses. 
all because I am trying to show that I am blessed. The true measure of spirituality has become how God blessed me. And I dare say you are not blessed because you have stuff. You are blessed because you are saved. There's really nothing wrong with having stuff as long as the stuff doesn't have you. And also what you do with the stuff matters. Are you blessing others? We, 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 we measure ourselves to comparison. Who has the most money? Who's got the most comfortable life? And our sense of worth ends up getting tied to this. Who's got the best education? Where did you study? Can you repeat that name again? Where is that? Is it on the face of the earth? You know, talking to some people sometimes, you can really feel bad. <laughs> can you say that again? Is that a community school or is it a university? Who's got the best looking wife or husband? False gospel. And here's the third false, false gospel. I am what others think. I am what others think. You know, a good number of us are addicted to what others think about us. We are concerned about our reputation. We don't pay attention to character, but to reputation. Reputation is what people think of you. Character is who you are. Satan said, if you are who you say you are, throw yourself off from this cliff. That's what he was saying to Jesus. I mean, you care what I think about you, don't you? If you care what I think about you, then throw yourself off. Remember, at this point, people didn't think anything of Jesus. He had not done anything. His ministry had not started. But the enemy was already trying to put doubt in there. You are only as good as what others think you are. And we put such, such a very high premium on what other people think of us. What will I say? Or what will I not say in a conversation? What school will my child attend? Who will I date? What do people think of me? And you see, what may be shocking to most of us is to discover how little people think of us. <laughs> they really don't care. We are now in what we can call a selfie generation. You just don't post, post what is happening, but you post what you want people to think is happening. Depression rates are going up because people are bothered about how many thumbs up or thumbs down that they got from that last post. 
I read somewhere that the Gen Z, Generation Z, I think that's, did I get it, is it Gen Y or Gen Z? Gen Z, that the pressure that they face is, is three times what people in their 50s faced when they were teens. How many likes were there to that last post? Addiction to people's approval. The need for people to validate you. So our self-image soars by compliments and is, is, is devastated by criticisms. But Jesus did one thing to defeat these three temptations. These three false gospels. Every time he did what he said, it is written. It is written. You're coming at me with a different gospel. It's not what people think I am. It's what I have. It's not what people think I am. It's not what I have. It's not what I do that matters. No. It is what is written that matters. That's why as believers, we should be people or persons of the word. Very important. Rooted and grounded in the word. Because if you don't know what the word says, you might believe what the world says about you. That is why lots of people have become so schizophrenic. You may even believe what well-meaning Christians say about you. But that may not be what God's word says concerning you. When you take hook, line, and sinker, what well-meaning, in quote, Christians say to you, you could also be in danger. They mean well. But that may not be exactly what God says concerning you. You may pick up on the wrong gospel. And here's the true gospel. My value and worth is not based on anything other than how God used me and will continue to use me. That is the most important. The true gospel is you are saved, you are loved and accepted based on what Jesus has done and nothing else. Just what Jesus has done. God is calling today's believer to keep their eyes focused on Jesus and what he has accomplished. Not what he will accomplish, what he has accomplished for your sake. Like I said, you may wonder, what has this got to do with us? But because I talk to a lot of young Christians, I see so much confusion all over the place. 
sometimes the church hierarchy does not help matters. People are feeling that they are never doing enough. And that burden of guilt, they are carrying it about. When Jesus has done all. I want to see people saved. I want to see people unburdened from guilt. From feelings of regret. But knowing that the start point is leaning on what Christ has done and walking from there. We are saved by grace through faith. I pray that God, the good Lord, will help every one of us to live the true gospel and not by any other gospel. Not by the inherited gospel. Not by the traditions of men. Not the gospel tainted by culture. But the true gospel of Jesus Christ. May God, God make that grace available to us and to everyone hearing in the mighty name of Jesus. You are not who people say you are. You are not what you have. But you are one who simply has been saved by Christ. That is where your worth is. Let's latch to that and begin to live the fullness of life that God has called us to live in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Lord, we will bless you. We thank you, Lord, because we see that the world is getting more and more troublesome every day. But we know that your grace is sufficient for us. Help us, O oh God, to truly and truly make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of our lives. Help us to accept the gift of salvation that was given freely. And I pray that for anyone in this place needing healing, let your healing powers flow through such a person in the mighty name of Jesus. Emotional, physical, Amen. physical healing. Let it flow in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you and bless you. Glory be to your name, O oh God. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen.